grow yourself, and grow your marriage. Christian Jana here with the Grow Yourself, Grow Your Marriage podcast. And we're here for our normal weekly episode, not an extra episode. <laughs> I feel like every time we get on, we have to make some <laughs> I terrible know. excuse about how I'm, unorganized and terrible we are. It, you know, it, <laughs> it's really hard. No. Okay, we're, we're going to explain what happened without making the excuse. We put it up an episode... <laughs> That was a bonus episode on the way to the doctor's office, yep. thinking, ah, no worries. We'll get it in tomorrow or the next day. We have two extra days. And <laughs> as luck would have it, the children woke up the children. each time we tried to podcast at five in the morning. And Ledger just stopped sleeping till normal, like human times. So that's where we're at. Human t- it is what it is, folks. It just, we share our our um details our mess ups with you because we want to just keep reminding you we are just two humans here trying to figure out how to raise all these kids and do a podcast and yeah all the things so basically it's you either hear our excuses and our failures every week or you, you think we just got them, it all together or you're just like you know you guys should just stop podcasting all together <laughs> and if that's what you think no, or you think like, oh, they just—I don't know how they do it. Like we don't a lot of times. <laughs> we clearly <laughs> that's don't. Just what it is. All right, that's enough chit chat from you. No, I got a—I got a list of questions we should go through today. What? Oh no, you want to do that a different day? You have questions where? Uh, on my phone. No, you don't. Yeah, I do. Well, we don't have time. We'll for make that. a bonus I episode. Have, I have a work meeting in like fifty-five minutes. So, so you don't want to do another bonus before we do a regular episode? <laughs> Dude, stop. All okay. right, all right. Here we go. We're in it to win it. Let's go. What are we winning? Okay, this okay, sorry. episode. I'm in, I'm, um, yeah, so Monday. just like two minutes ago, we were sitting on the couch, like dead to the world. Like, uh, you ready? Yeah. Let's we got go. a new sectional, and, and it's it, so comfy, yes, but it's it such a bad so idea because it really draws us in. Yes. When we need to be productive, the couch just looks at us, and it's like. So then we me. sat down in the chair, and now we have this like really fake peppy, like, <laughs> woo, let's go. I'm not fake. <laughs> so today. We're going to talk about, I think it's a pretty big topic. Well, here, let me set the scene here. Have you ever heard somebody say in their relationship or in their marriage, like, I don't know, like, we just don't see eye to eye on things or we don't have anything in common. Or you hear couples maybe that are a little bit older, like, we don't really know each other anymore. We don't have anything in common anymore. We kind of went our separate ways. And a lot of times that being a reason for divorce or in just non-married marriage relationships, breakups. Have you ever heard anybody say that, Chris? Yes, John, I have. (laughs) I mean, I'm asking everybody, but you're the only one who I can hear a response to. So, um, so we hear this a lot. I see this a lot on social media and just in life. I feel like I've heard a lot of people say before, and then we've had people say to us, um, actually that talk to Chris, Chris has some listeners that talk to him. They're like, well, you and John just sound like you're compatible because you get along and you have a podcast together. So obviously you don't get it when we don't just, we just don't have anything in common. Right. Right. So in our efforts to say, Hey, 
how do we function in an incompatible marriage, I think the first thing we have to do is we're going to break down incompatibility versus compatibility. So, John, you you do us the honors. Yeah, I love I love to give you the definition. So, what is incompatibility? It's a condition of two things being so different in nature as to be incapable of coexisting, or the inability of two people to live together harmoniously. And we see a lot of that, especially after this last year and a half or so of people having to be together all the time. A lot of people are like, eh, not capable of coexisting with you. True. And compatibility is a state in which two things are able to exist or occur together without problems or conflict. And I'll say not without problems or conflict. I'll say that there's a sense of like-mindedness and it's not like life is perfect and you agree on everything but for the most part you you can definitely exist together in some form of harmony yeah it also says it's a feeling of sympathy and friendship like-mindedness so this isn't even i mean it's not like it's saying compatibility in marriage it's just the definition of compatibility and i would say yes chris and i now have very much so a like-mindedness and a friendship but that hasn't always been that way it's been something no. we've had to really grow in ourselves and work on and um i would say that when we were first married we were actually more <laughs> incompatible yeah we by were, those definitions we were highly incompatible by uh, yeah, just, mean, just we, the nature we, of our interests yeah because i mean it's self. not like we lived together unharmoniously is that a word we 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 but we coexisted we were pretty much just like going through the motions, going down our own paths. Chris had his interests. I had my interests. Those didn't really converge very much. And so... Yeah, well, let's talk about this. So, let's talk about so it. So there are some very specific things here that you guys should know. So if you were to... If, if you, listener, were a matchmaker and you brought someone together who loved to dance and you thought he or she should marry someone who hated to <laughs> dance or you said, Oh, well, person a they're fun and they're extroverted and like, they like to be at parties and enjoy the energy. And then person B, well, person A and person B should definitely be together because person B is polar opposite. Uh, person B doesn't like to necessarily be around like tons and tons of people all the time and, you know, be in the party like atmosphere. Maybe he's a little more introverted, right? So, so you pretty much go down the line of. Or person A is more like live for the moment. Person B is right. more of a future planner. Person A is a little more uh, spontaneous with money, and person B is a little bit more right. of a tightwad. Yeah, right. I mean, if you're person going... <laughs> A does not respond well to tough love, and person B very much so responds well to right. a corrective tough love conversations. Right. So, you know, I think you could pretty well guess who person A and person B right. are here in this scenario. And if you're a matchmaker, you'd probably be trying to match up some of that, at least the interests, a little bit better. However, I don't know though, where did that old saying opposites attract come from? 
I'm not sure, but we uh, should have looked into that. Yeah, well, we just thought about it on the fly. We so did, but but I was just thinking, I'm like, well, when you match make, like, it is good to balance somebody out, and I think that's something that we've come to the conclusion of too of our strengths and weaknesses. Once we got over the hump of like the dumb, shallow stuff, like dancing and you being lame and me being fun. Oh. <laughs> Once we got through that stuff, we realized that our strengths and weaknesses do balance each other out. So yes. I don't know. I think this whole idea of compatibility is kind of I don't know. Is it even biblical? Like, I kind of feel like it's a very worldly thought to think that you have to be completely compatible to match with somebody because I don't know. Like, are you supposed to just enjoy everything the same? How would you ever grow if you like and do and think the same as your partner? True. And referencing back to the episode, what, three episodes ago, maybe, where you brought up how it's like, of course, God is going to put you together with somebody that Mm. you need to love unconditionally because like this person's going to annoy you. This person's going to frustrate you. Like why, why would God put us together with someone where like all of our, all of our likes and everything's just like perfect. It just goes and we fit together and we complete each other, which is such a, such a, uh, again, such a worldly thing of like, Oh, my other half. No. We don't complete each other. We right. complement each other. God is the yes. only one who can complete us. And I want to re-say that because I think that is something really important is when, and we talked about this a long time ago, I think when we were talking about selfish love and talking about how right before you find somebody to marry, you're thinking of all these conditions that you want them to meet. Like, I hope my spouse will be like this. And you have like this checklist. Like we always joke about the checklist you had for mm-hmm. for your future wife and how you know, I checked off enough that you're like, okay, I'll, I'll put a ring on it. I just didn't know she's gonna be four eleven, but other than that, she pretty much hit it all. You're stupid. Um, and so we have all these conditions. So, so basically, to just reword what you just said and what we talked about a few episodes ago, uh, one of the goals for our lives here is to learn how to love others like Jesus loves us, and that's without conditions. Well, I guess there's one condition, but. Um, that's without condition. So we're supposed to learn unconditional love. And how in the world could we learn unconditional love if our spouse met all our conditions from the start? Or how could we, you know, we we obviously talk a lot about growth on here. How can we grow in our marriage and as human beings if everything's just like good to go? Like, yep, they like everything I want. There's never any problem. There's no right, need there's for no, tough conversation. Like, there's no there's no resistance to need to grow. So. In our quest to answer, look, how do we function in an incompatible marriage? First, I think it was important that we kind of broke down person A and person B, Chana being A and me being B. If you haven't figured that out, Mm -hmm. you live under a rock. I'm so Um, into numbers and I love (laughs) to stay home. Right. But basically, the point is, I don't think we ever reach a point of complete compatibility, but... In any, at any rate, some form of incompatibility exists in our marriage. Jonna's marriage, Jonna in my marriage, I'm sure your marriage, if you're listening to this. And here's what's kind of an interesting spin on this, right? So I read a book recently called Decluttering Your Marriage by Douglas Wilson, and he's like a hardcore reformer. Uh, but the introduction had a really cool quote, and I want to share it with you guys. So he said, Sin is the preeminent destructive force in marriage. People like to explain a marriage's failure by pointing to non-ethical factors like personal incompatibility, 
But according to the Bible, marriage is fundamentally, and remember marriage is created by God, right? So that would be the guy we'd want to learn about marriage from, is fundamentally a matter of obedience and disobedience, which he was referencing to the word of God. So I think when we look at, look, grow yourself, grow your marriage, how does this apply? How do we function in an incompatible marriage? It's, man, we got to look at ourselves, like we've been saying for a hundred and some odd episodes. We have to look at ourselves, but now we don't just look at the little tweaks we can make in ourselves. We look at what is creating, what what sin am I involved in, or what am I doing that is sinful that is contributing to the incompatibilities that do exist in our marriage. So somebody might be listening, Chris, that's like, okay, like sin such a such a taboo word i feel like right now such a scary word was what, what does that look like what do you mean so let's like just break down some of the most common things that are listed as incompatibilities and then match that with what sin could be causing that how about that yeah so Let's act like we don't have notes in front of us, right? Um, <laughs> no. Uh, so <laughs> for once, I'm on your same brain. Like I'm moving on. It was seamless transition, and I you got to bring it up. I Did I not word it the Guys, way that your brain wanted to word it? Us. We have some notes in front of us. That's why. Lord. That, that's why this is a little more on the organized side. Um, <laughs> <all right. laughs> but you got to call us out. I did. I did. It's fine. Okay. So don't scratch the table. People can hear I'm, that. Sorry. I, you it was can't really bothering scratch me. Scratch the table. Okay. Something about person A is. She's a picker, like things yeah, that huge. I is a pick picker. I'm so glad I don't have the acne I had when I was in high school. <laughs> they drive oh, me crazy. A mess. I'm not picking acne okay. right now. There's right. glue. The girls got glue in the in the crease okay. right. of our wood table here, and it's bothering me. Yes. Yes. Okay. So. Okay. Sorry. Stop. Okay. Right. Yeah. So anyway, when we break down certain incompatibilities that I think a, a lot of people can relate with, right? So one would be, oh look. Like we don't have enough sex, you know, and may, maybe on one one spouse's side, it's well, look, my libido is just not not where yours is, okay. Uh, and then the other person's like, well, look, I I need this. I mean, let's just start with that. Well, that's also that's also a common reason why people say that you should have sex before marriage so that you know if your True. libidos are matching stuff. But little do you know that changes changes when you have kids and hormones and aging and all this stuff. So not really a great excuse of whole testing the car before you buy a thing. Just FYI. <laughs> I don't know why I had to throw that in there. But yeah, so uh, that you hear that, that's probably one of the biggest complaints in marriage is sex life. There's not enough of it for one person. Maybe there's too much of it for the other person or the other person just doesn't care. A lot of times it's the mom in the stage of young children because she's overtouched. Her hormones are a wreck insecurity, all that stuff. Or you have a mismatched libido because of the sin of things like pornography or past sexual relationships or affairs, adultery, these types mm -hmm. of things that cause the mismatch. It's not just it's not just a surface level like, oh, we just we're wired differently. I like sex more than he does. You know? Right. Yes, absolutely. And so so let's say you are someone who who has a mismatched libido from your spouse, but you're on the side of like, eh, I'm not really feeling, I don't really need to have a lot of sex type of thing, right? But but your spouse is the one pushing you to do this. In most cases, look, it's usually the guy wanting the sex uh, from the girl. But here's the thing also, like like you mentioned, 
gosh, you guys go through a lot of changes hormonally and things like that. But so what does the Bible say about this? Because we can talk about our opinion all day. Uh, but at the end of the day, we're just cultural humans, right? Like culture is culture. Okay. And the Bible says what it says. So first Corinthians seven, three through five says the husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights. And likewise, the wife, her husband, for the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another. This is so clear. Do not deprive one another, except perhaps by agreement for a limited time, which I would say is kind of, you know, after a C-section, you know, like a six to eight week period and all that (laughs) stuff, right? So, fair. Okay. We would agree to that. Um, that you may devote yourselves to prayer, right? And communication, right? You're communicating with each other and saying, look, if this is a period of time where we're not going to have sex, whether it's a medical issue or something going on or, or even look past trauma and you're in a new marriage and your wife comes to you and is like, look, I have a lot of trauma. Like we have some issues we have to work through together. Like you both agree on that stuff and you figure that out, but it is very clear. It is literally in scripture. It is literally in scripture. Do not deprive your spouse of sex. Um, And then at the end, it says, you come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of Mm self-control. And that part right there is really important. So what you're saying is the way Satan tempts you with lack of self-control is when there is not regular sex in the marriage bedroom or living room, wherever you choose to do it at, um, then you are tempted by things like pornography. You will hear, and I'm sure there's somebody listening that's like, well, if my wife's not giving it to me, I got to get it somewhere and it's better than cheating on her, you know, or masturbation, pornography, all these things. It's better than, than cheating, right? Like that's a common thought because it's not an actual physical affair outside of your, that is us playing. That is, well, first off, you either submit to the Bible or you don't, there's no negotiation right? Which, which I think is what we've learned in our marriage. It's mm-hmm. like, you can't just grab a verse and be like, oh, yeah, that sounds good, but that doesn't, let right? Me wor- so, let me work it around how I like to right. so follow it. The Bible progressed on its own. You don't, We don't have to make it progress. So the fact of the matter is, it's important for us to not be our own God here and be like, look, I think I'm smart enough. Like, yeah, this guy might have, you know, created the mountains, the valleys, this, you know, the moon, the stars, all those things uh, in six days and then, you know, took a chill. But uh, (laughs) truly, I think I'm smart enough to take this and do what I want with it. No, that is not the way this works. So at the end of the day, what the self-control comes down to is there's never a point in the Bible where it says, you know what? Get yours. (laughs) <laughs> you, you do you. You do you because you need this. You deserve happiness. Yeah. Like you deserve you, release. You, you go get yours, buddy. Like it never says that, right? So what's interesting about this is if we do submit to these principles, because I've been there, if you do submit to these principles and you say, you know what? Okay. If, if, if my sexual, if my sex life is supposed to only come between me and my spouse, right? Including thought life and everything. My sex life is supposed to just be me and my spouse, and I'm going to be obedient to that. And what you'll find, in my experience, is literally the Holy Spirit imparts on you and your behavior and really helps you through that period Mm -hmm. because you're submitting to God and obedience to your marriage. Well, and we're called to be one as as a married couple, and 
the way he created our bodies, male and female can connect and become literally one. And that's what's so hard about the sin of um, sex, like sex before marriage or adultery, all that kind of stuff. The hard thing about that is that every other sin is done maybe in your mind or outside of the body. Sexual sin is on your inside. It, it, it actually is a spiritual act, not just a physical act. Like I feel like because everything is so perverted and sexualized now, it's really easy. I mean, we watched this documentary the other night. Mm. Generation Wealth. Is that what it was called? And it like wrecked us because they just, what did that guy say? It was like super inappropriate, but it was like one of those weird things where you're watching it and you're just like, what in, like, it's almost like you want to see what's happening in culture Mm -hmm. to protect your kids from it. It's, it's, it sounds ridiculous. Well, yeah, I didn't know. I mean, I just saw the preview on prime and I was like, Oh, I feel like something kind of mindless. And I'm curious to see because these people are living these reckless uh, money and fame searching type lives. And I'm like, of course I knew that it could be good content for talking about just how that always falls short. But yeah, there was a lot more uh, nudity and sexual things intense. in it than yeah. I expected. But what really wrecked us were a couple of things, but um, this guy, what did he say, babe? He said something about it's ridiculous to think of sex as a moral thing anymore it's just an extension of commerce yeah he did basically Mm -hmm. i'm i'm paraphrasing and i just was like because he was talking about sex workers and stuff and it just wrecked me because i'm just like no (laughs) no that's so opposite of what god says and what god intended it for but anyways i'm going off on a tangent here um what well I think the point of something like generation wealth is like the whole thing comes down to like, Oh, you thought you wanted money. You thought you wanted this. You thought you wanted to be a porn star. You thought you wanted all this different stuff and you'd be happy. And then you had it and you still had a God sized hole in your heart. And you're like, Whoa, I'm, I'm miserable because it's the biggest point of deception. Mm-hmm. I feel like is for the devil to be like, Hey, look, here's the whole world. There you go. And then there's right. scripture that talks about like, look, what good is it to gain the whole world, but lose your soul. And so when you take something like that, you take generation wealth, you realize, man, if I'm not submitting to the Bible, to scripture, to what the word of God says, I'm not, I'm not going to be, or have a, a sense of fulfillment or happiness anyway. So, and you saw that in these people that they were interviewing on the, um, on that documentary. Now, they didn't have some into the movie thing. It wasn't a Christian documentary where yeah, they're no. like, Oh yeah, I just needed Jesus. I hope. And I actually pray that those people do find Jesus because they still even like, so for example, there was a young porn star and she's talking so casually about her, her career. Like it's just a normal day at the office and the things she's done. And like, it really, you know, for example, she was pregnant for the 11th time and she goes, I think I'm going to keep this one. So, you know, that's telling us she has aborted 10 babies and she ended up losing that one. And then she was really wrecked by it. And which is, you know, ironic in itself, but uh, she just towards the end was like, I don't want to do this anymore. And like, just seemed so broken and so lifeless and so ready for change and trying to figure out how to do it on her own. And those, those people, I just want to like scream, like, you, you don't have to do it on your own. You can not even that woman who's had 10 abortions, she can be redeemed and she can find the fulfillment she's been seeking in this industry of, of again, sex and money that have now left her poor and lonely. Yeah. 
Yeah. <sighs> so, yeah, dude, it's yeah. it's intense. But so even just go, sex is a powerful topic, right? So it's it's one we can't just go, okay, yeah, this and then moving on, right? But we all know that there is like there are usually discrepancies in a relationship and a lot of it has to do with sex because there's a lot of things happening. Oh, how many kids do you have? What's your what's your, you know, work life balance? Like what all of those things, right? How, but the one part we didn't cover is the other side, and it's the deprivation. Yeah, so that's what I was going to bring up. And how are you showing love to your spouse in other ways throughout the day? Because I know for women, especially, probably men too, but I can only speak for myself here, it's hard when you're in a season of not feeling loved or appreciated and then your spouse wants sex. You know, you're like, well, now, now you want to spend time with me? I know a lot of people have that kind of problem. But if we're going back to the root of it where we're talking about the sin there, it's it's selfish for you as a, as a spouse to withhold sex for reasons of frustration or you know, they didn't do what you wanted them to do, or you feel insecure in your postpartum body, which I understand is a totally legitimate, legitimate feeling, but it's still not right to withhold from your spouse. A lot of people use sex as a, um, like as a prize, like, well, if you do this, or if you treat me this way or buy me this or do your honeydew list, like then maybe we'll have sex tonight. And it's, Right. It's just, it's become widely talked about and accepted as if that's okay. And it's clearly destroying relationships. And then sometimes there are things where you don't even really have many issues. You, you're just not feeling it. And then that's when you have to realize like, well, that's just selfish. That's flat out selfish. It's, it's hard. It's something you have to have a conversation about, you know, obviously nobody wants pity sex. Obviously would be, not enjoyable, but I think what's important is that a conversation is had. If somebody is like, look, I am really struggling. I don't know what's going on. I mean, I think there are a lot of just very practical ways from a hormonal perspective. Like, Hey, what's mm-hmm. going on? Am I getting enough sleep? Am I eating the right things? Like how are my stress levels? Like any exercise in my life, all that stuff, right? What trauma has not been addressed because I hear the person who's gone through sexual trauma before and probably really turned off by the idea by the verse talking about like your body not being your own and not denying your husband and stuff. And I understand that because I have been through that sort of trauma. And honestly, I think that's something that um, the church needs to be better about is talking about sex Mm -hmm. and talking about um, sexual trauma and sexual sin, like pornography and sex before marriage and all these things and how they will affect your marriage. Because I think most of us, if you grew up in the church or not just heard like, you know, save sex for marriage, that's for marriage. And then that's all. There's not really much to help couples who are married in a loving relationship navigate all those ins and outs. And even after being married almost eight years now, that's something that Chris and I just recently discovered. And we might've talked about it on here. Uh, We were hanging out with some friends one night and we always have really deep, great conversations with them. And they were talking about how, Yes, we are redeemed from our sins and from our past, um, and we're cleansed of those spiritually, but our body still holds on to the damage that has been done mm-hmm. with, again, sex, sex trauma, drugs, alcohol, those kinds of things. Um, and so that really struck Chris and I that we both have sexual baggage and sexual sin that happened before our marriage 
that we brought into our marriage because we are one now that could and was um, affecting our sex life. And so I think that the church needs to be better about talking about that and understanding that and, and how to work through both of the spouses healing through those things. But those are things you might want to address if you've checked all the other boxes. You're like, well, you know, we're attracted to each other. Hormonally, I'm doing fine, meaning good. I'm sleeping well. I just don't, you know, like something's just mismatched here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Sex is a big one. Like I said, it's hard to, it's hard to brush over. Hopefully we covered a good bit and you can relate that to the incompatibility incompatibilities you may or may not feel in your marriage uh, because I know we've definitely been there. So another another thing I want to cover is, so Galatians 5, 22 through 23 talks about the fruits of the spirit. And in the Bible, so the fruits of the spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, right? Um, so such things, there is no law, Right is what Galatians 5, 22 through 23 says, but it talks about how, like, look, if we are looking for compatibility, we have to hit these things, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You can literally take each of these and apply them to whatever is happening in our marriage. So it's like, if, if we just have mismatched likes and dislikes, right? It's like, look, I, I I like to do this. My wife likes to do this, you know? Um, you can literally go and just be like, well, okay, what does my wife like to do that I don't like to do? And why is that? Is it pride within me? Like, how can I show her more love? How can I be more kind to her and gentle when she doesn't want to do what I want to do? Uh, how can we have that conversation? Um, and also, if it's something where I feel like I'm being deprived, you know, kind of back to the sex thing. How can I keep self-control and still do the right thing, even though the world tells me, go get yours, go get yours, go get yours. It goes back to the grow yourself, grow your marriage thing. It's what, what are you doing? Like, no matter how frustrated you are with your spouse, what are you doing or not doing that you could do better? Because it's so easy, it's so easy to put the blame on why things are the way they are on the other person. It's so easy when you're feeling frustrated or deprived or lonely or detached or any of those negative incompatible, incompatible, any of those negative emotions. It's so easy to look at all the reasons why your spouse needs to change, why they're not measuring up to your conditions. But if you take the log out of your own eye, as the Bible tells us again, isn't it weird how this book from 2000 years ago has so much wisdom for us right now? (laughs) weird. But he says, you know, it says if you take the log out of your own eye before calling out the speck in your uh in your brother's eye. In your brother's eye or your spouse's eye, whatever, then you will see, okay, well maybe if I start doing the like if you show up better <laughs> towards your spouse, it's going to improve something. It both of d- you it doesn't guarantee it, right? But mm, does not guarantee it. It's so, going to at least improve yourself knowing you're doing. Exactly. That's what like, I mean. Like we, it might not save we, your marriage. We but. can just focus on like, okay, look, hey, look, God, you're te- like, let's, okay, let's just go a really extreme example. And I think we're kind of going back to really this would match a lot of things. God forbid something happened and one of us uh, got in a car accident and paralyzed from the waist down, right? And, you know, it's really not a whole lot you can do sexually from that perspective right um like 
that's a very difficult place to be in. Okay. Um, instantly you're mismatched in your hobbies. Instantly you have health differences. Instantly the roles in your home totally change, mm. right? How do you navigate that by thinking to yourself, oh, well, I still got to get mine. So she'll understand if I cheat on her. She'll understand right. that I need to go and- Or I didn't and, sign up for this, so- Yeah, right. I, I didn't sign up for this. Yeah, I know I said sickness and health and all those things, till death do us part. Well, whatever, it's cool. 60% of people break those vows. It's fine, right? I'm still not any worse than them, okay? So that's that's the lie culture tells us when it comes to incompatibility. <laughs> and what- we're saying here and what, what we're preaching to ourselves here is any sin we look at, any incompatibility is usually a result like and us not understanding it or being gentle about it or or you know having some form of peace in our marriage comes down to our selfish nature, our mm-hmm. sin, our pride. Ooh, I have to get mine still. Man, you just dropped the mic, babe. I don't know, man. Well, I think that goes back to something we've talked about recently too, is just that marriage is portrayed as this happily ever after you complete me lovey dovey romance, perfect life forever. No issues, picket fence, two kids, two dogs type thing. But really it's, it's made to refine us like marriage and parenting is actually a fiery furnace where you die to yourself and your own selfish ambitions because where culture says, discover who you are and and make yourself happy and you do you and all this stuff. God says, die to yourself, pick up your cross and carry it, serve others before yourself and learn to love others the way I love you, which is without conditions, except that you are in me, but without conditions and without all these, um, Oh, I thought you were trying to give me the word I was looking for. I was for. trying to cough, but we don't have one of those radio buttons. Oh, yeah. You, you, still knew, you, really, you know, mute. we do have an off button on the mic. I keep telling you. Oh, that. shoot. <laughs> but where, yes. So we're supposed to, as Christians, live that way, which is totally countercultural. And that is what happens in marriage and parenting if you're doing it right. And I know that's so um, controversial controversial for the non-christian be like well what do you mean like that's just right by your way like no it's right by god's way who created marriage and that's that's where we're coming from here and i've done it the other way where i tried to you know do me and it didn't work and chris did it the other way and it didn't work and since when we focus on each other and on our kids and allowing this furnace to refine us and to grow through and work through and pray through the hard things that come with marriage and parenting. Um, We are being changed and we are growing and we are seeing the fruits of that. Um, And I don't think it's ever supposed to stop. And so we got to, I just like want to scream from the rooftops that the whole happily ever after pitch is just setting so many people up for false expectations. It's true. It's true. So I, I mean, look, the, the simplest way to put it, again, applying grow yourself, grow your marriage to this is, okay, how do I function in incompatible marriage? First off, realize everybody has an incompatible marriage at some level. There's something happening, right? The thing we've said a million and a half times has always been like, don't, don't judge your life by someone else's newsfeed and the pictures and the posts that they decide to show 
like they only show you what they want you to see. We only show you what we want you to see, etc. Like we try to be as open, real, and honest as possible. But like the true conversations between me and Jana come like off the mic, like like strong conversations that are like really high connective conversations within our marriage that aren't your business, right? Um, but <laughs> your business. I mean, truthfully, right? But right. I think the point is if we think it's just about little incompatibilities here and there and there's no, oh, well, she's like that, he's like that, it is what it is, right? The truth is you could go back to person A and person B and you could apply the fruits of the spirit and personal conviction of sin in our individual lives. And you you could go to things as simple as dancing. <laughs> I hate to dance, right? Jonna loves to dance. Would I be loving her more? by putting myself out of my comfort zone. Why do I hate to dance, right? Get get to the root of it. The reason I hate to dance is because I feel like people are looking at me, even though they probably aren't. But for some reason, it's just something that's very uncomfortable for me. It's hard for me. I think of my, I think I care about what people think in that instance. For some reason, I don't know why. It's like a really weird trigger for me, you know? I just don't like to do it, okay? But my wife loves it. So loving her would be trying to figure out a way to put my pride down and whatever my uncomfortable feelings are and love her and do what I can, right? Without looking like an idiot. So you're saying... I don't know. So you're saying those dance lessons you bought for us oh, in 2013? Like years ago. Too. Do you want me to go see if they'll still redeem those? Oh, Arthur Murray gosh. Dance Studio? Oh, hilarious. He did. Chris. So, so Chris funny. did try this when we were person A and person B. He bought dance lessons for us, ballroom dance lessons. And I was super excited, even though at that point I was more of like a twerker, but I was, I was totally <laughs> right. open to ballroom dancing. Um, and we never got around to doing it. And that was even pre-kids. We just it's thought true. we were too busy. Um, so it's I mean, true. you tried. Uh, and things as simple, and I've brought this example before too. Like you, you guys don't understand how many fights we had over why is Jonna buying $4 Starbucks when we could buy a $4 <laughs> bag of coffee. You know what I mean? That would last us a week. And like just a little stupid thing. And now things. Chris went out and bought Chipotle today when Ooh, I had tacos at home for him. Which I'm like, your shortcomings, <laughs> not mine. Uh, but anyway, so then it's okay. I can either choose to just have that slingshot pulled back, ready to just pop her with anything and everything and let coffee bother me. Or I can love her. I can be more gentle with her. I, I can be more understanding and understand, like, okay, what's the root? What's the root behind why she wants coffee at three o'clock or four o'clock? And then we talk about it and I find out like, look, I, I feel, I feel like I'm exhausted and we're going to be in public and I want to, I want to engage with people and I want to have energy. Okay. Well, also I'm, I'm a very experienced type yes, person. The coffee could even taste worse if it was coming from somewhere else. Like I could maybe make better coffee at home, but going with Chris to a coffee shop or a friend or something and having that experience is more important to me. So it wasn't so much about like just being, and here's what I think Chris saw at that time because we were still learning each other was somebody who just was being wasteful with money and mm -hmm. being lazy to not make coffee at home or being irresponsible. But it was really somebody who was just wanting that experience and wanting that connection. And you can't know that without talking and getting to know each other. So. And recognizing my own like okay why do i really care right yes and realizing like, why why do i really care and and it takes a lot of self-awareness and it takes a lot of just laying your pride down just 
understanding that the only reason you get angry about something, the only reason I get angry about something, and like this is something I feel like God has seriously revealed to me over the last like year, year and a half, is our pride, I feel like only stems from totally thinking about ourselves. It's like if you're at work and someone treats you bad and then you want to pop off and freak out on them or you just get upset and you and you internalize it but you're angry or with you're all the, about like revenge. with this person, right? Yeah, or or you want to find a way to get revenge or whatever. That is about nobody but you. Nobody but you, right? It same thing, you know? There are times where we get prideful with our spouse, you know, and we feel like this is a form of incompatibility because the kids are going nuts. All these things are happening, right? And then, you know, it's like my wife always pops off on me when she's frustrated, you know, and takes everything out on me. Well, let's look at the root, man. Like the only reason you're mad and the reason I've been mad in the past is I was like, dang, it's about me. <laughs> it's about me. So killing our pride, which is a, a big topic, it's always been a big topic on this show and in our lives, killing our pride, dying to ourselves, and realizing like, okay, wait, oh, hang on. What's the root of why I'm upset? What's the root of why I can't meet her where I need to meet her or he can't meet me where he needs to meet me? Or why I feel like I can't apologize or, you know, because even if I was wrong, because it means admitting that I was wrong. Like why? Because the world will just tell you like, you know what? You can lie. Like truth. Yeah. I'm a proponent of truth, but I'm only a proponent of truth when it's easy. When it doesn't. (laughs) Right. People say it all the time. They're like, I consider myself to be an honest person, but then they give me an example of a time when they weren't honest at the hardest time and they justify it. I'm like, no, 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 that's no, that's, that's the very definition of not being a proponent of truth. Right. So if I'm, if I did something wrong and I need to say, sorry, it does suck. And it does, it, it does hurt your pride a little bit. Right. But we, we do the right thing. We do the right thing because we know that it's obedience to what God is telling us to do. And he is a much better God than we are. Mm -hmm. And that means truth and transparency in your marriage, even. We're literally recapping like our whole gross of gray marriage. I know. It's It's great. It's working though, We're a hundred something in. They haven't heard it all probably. (laughs) If you have heard every single episode, can you text us? Oh, dude, tell us. 513-620-4333. Is it 620 or is it 420? Every time I was trying to be... I was trying to be, because sure people have asked us lately, do you know the number? Why do you guys always have yeah. problems with the number? I'm sorry. I know it's 620. Or 620. <laughs> okay. But really, text us if you've heard every single episode. I'd be really super curious to yes. hear that. Yeah. and Which, this is th- a good time. Thanks for the text. That yeah, that's a good, that's really a awesome. good uh, transition real fast. I Wait, but read. do you want to call people out? Because I don't know if they want to be called I won't out. say their name. Okay. I just want to read some of the nice things that have been texted text to us lately. It's texted a word. Do people care about the nice things that... What's in it for them? You know what I mean? <laughs> um, it doesn't matter. They're listening and I'm going to tell them. Okay. <laughs> no, I I want to. It's like when you read a review, it just helps me. Like, oh, so this person said they just started following our podcast. They've been married for 18 years and they really enjoy listening. Um, and they are highly. Oh, you know what? This is not the one I wanted to read. I mean, it's good, but Chris is staring at me like, can you just. This isn't what I had on my outline. This is not what I had in my I did not have a review break on my outline. Hold on. We already done went off the outline. We did? Yeah, pretty much. Well, fine. 
Never mind. People, Should we not do it now? Okay, you're, not, we're not you're making me uncomfortable. <laughs> well, people have been texting lately that we don't know, like non friends and family members, and and just giving us really right, nice, like more than mom, nice <laughs> feedback and asking questions. And I just want to say that we're really grateful. We love communicating with our listeners, especially yes. those that we don't know. Not that we don't, you know, Josh. Yes, we like talking to you too. But <laughs> Josh, Joey, Joey um, no. So wait, if you're from a different country. You've got to tell us where you're listening from, even though yeah. we see it on the map. We see it on the map. We, we know we creep. have other countries. We know it's a bunch of other countries, but I, I want you to reach but out to us. They probably can't text us. Tell us you're real. But they probably can't text us. I don't know. Can you? People in other countries are far more bilingual than we are. No, I'm saying because like international. Uh, I mean, I, I guess you yeah, can, right? Okay. Gosh, I'll Venmo so you the dollar or whatever it costs. <laughs> or you just email us at grayselfgraymarriage at gmail.com. There you go. Anyways, uh, let's get back to what we were talking about. I mean, that pretty much wraps it up, doesn't it? Like, look, yeah. we think in culture it's oh, just little minor incompatibilities, but then the root of it really is our own shortcomings and our own sin. And uh, what does Allie Bestucky say? Which she's like a dream guest for us, I feel like. So a dream if guest. you know Allie Bestucky, just let her know the Girls Have Career Marriage podcast. We'll welcome her with open arms. Um, for real. I have so much that we could talk about. Awesome. I'll so, ask her so many questions. Yes. So Allie Bestucky wrote a book called you're not enough and that's okay. I really I really want to read it even though it's for chicks. But um, but basically, you're not enough and that's okay. It's like polar opposite of culture where culture is like, you're enough. You're enough. Like, no, 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 no. You're not enough without Jesus Christ. And that's okay. And it sounds so, ooh, it hurts people. They're like, oh, you're so arrogant. You say it's Jesus. Ooh, ooh. Well, we're not splitting hairs here. <laughs> There's a fundamental difference between Jesus well, there's enough not. people that dance around things and try to be politically correct. And truly, Jesus was anything but politically correct. He, he was, just was a he truth. Was, he was a little bit savage at so times. So truth speaking, table flipping, <laughs> miracle working dude. And that's, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I got distracted. Sorry. Anywho. Um yeah, so I I forget where I was going with it too. I know. So maybe we should just zip. It's right that time up. of day where we're starting to like. Meow. Yep. All right. Well. All right. Well, hopefully this was a helpful episode. I think we've recapped enough. Basically, Look, if we're living by the fruits of the spirit. And basically, if you feel like you're incompatible, why don't you start searching? Why? Where is that coming from? What is it in your life that? maybe is holding you back from being what you're supposed to be as a spouse. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the fruits of the spirit was Galatians 5, 22 through 23. I was going to say, not everybody knows what that is. Yes. Galatians 5, 22 through 23. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I mean, come on. Well, that also goes to, what, what is it? Need? First Corinthians something. Love is patient. Love is kind. Mm -hmm. What is yeah, that one? Yeah, it is First Corinthians something, but I don't have it in front of me. Um, you need to really get better actual verse memory. Yeah, it's hard to do, but uh, but yeah. So there you go. How to function in an incompatible marriage is we look at our sin, our the root of why we are seeing and allowing the incompatibilities on our end. Right, our spouse can take care of themselves on their end, but we worry about our end. Surrounding when sin. You're saying you do you. And saying, no. I'm just we worry about our end surrounding sin. And we say, like, look, how can I be more loving, joyful, peaceful, patient, kind, good, faithful, gentle, and have more self control? 
Mm -hmm. and selfless and selfless all right thanks so much for listening to the grow yourself grow your marriage podcast if this episode brought you value please go share it with another married couple and uh, don't forget to follow the show and text us it's a lot of I'm giving you a lot of instructions. Five one three six two zero four three three three. Shut up. I'll have to look. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs>